Hi and welcome everyone to the 19th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Erlansson and today's podcast will be about AI on the Power Platform. And with me today I have Shahila Shapari from Parida Group. Shahila Shapari is a software engineer and a Microsoft Business Applications MVP who currently serves as Chief Technical Officer of Parita Group, a digital agency specialized in customer employee experience solutions. She has served in many roles within the professional services industry, starting her career as a programmer and software developer consultant. In addition, she is active runner and a musician, although not at the same time, and she is currently attempting the title Whiskey Connoisseur. Welcome, Shahila Shapari. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for asking. So, as a CTO... What is it that you do? Oh, well, that's a, a big question. Um, I run a, a, a consulting agency. Um, we, again, focus in on, on digital solutions uh, for, for customers uh, solving complex business problems uh, through usage of, of the power platform for, for the most part. Um, a lot of what we do is uh, in the business application space, so uh, Dynamics 365 customer engagement solutions and what what I do is is kind of set the technology strategy, the delivery strategy, and then um, run run the deliveries and, and success uh, metrics for uh, for all of our clients. And um, it's a it's a fun job. Yeah, and a busy one, I can imagine. <laughs> a little busy. Yeah, just a little bit, right? So we're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer customer experience as a customer? Um. I think the last one that I really enjoyed was uh, I'm, I'm a musician as well, and I, I uh, um, was um, purchasing some some music editing software. Uh, and this specific uh, company, I don't know if I should say who they are or not, um, but uh, they had such a personalized experience um, where they had assigned me a personal rep basically customer rep um that that was very knowledgeable of what it was that i needed he proactively called me and a lot of times in this in this work or in in our uh in our world we don't necessarily want to be bothered by uh customer service type uh situations and and since i i I focus a lot in in that space uh, knowing that the, the real goal is to improve the customer experience through customer engagement. Um, I, I saw that successfully through through this experience that I had where, again, they were able to proactively reach out, ask me if I found everything. They were very knowledgeable in the domain that I was, I was shopping in and could give me advice as to what, what was needed. They followed up with me a few times and not in a pestering way, but in a, in a nice way. And it was, yeah, very pleasurable experience place where not, not always, uh, I know that's a, a lot of places that uh, companies strive to improve is that that customer service customer experience that's it yeah that can be really rare but it's going better and better for the customer services in general i think so that they're less pestering and more helpful but as a musician what is it that you do um well i uh i played classical piano uh, a concert pianist in a former life, and then I moved over to doing uh, singer-songwriter stuff after I retired out of that. Um, 
And now it's um, more, more of a hobby at this point. I used to do it more as a secondary profession, um, but, but running a, a technology services company is a little time consuming, so not as uh, much time to, to dedicate uh, professionally to that, but I, I, I do still have it as a good hobby now. Yeah, and I'm super impressed that you managed to do all these free things, I mean, earlier, just and still making it to, to his chief technical officer. That's really impressive. <laughs> and and if we talk with AI, so how do you explain AI to someone that's not in this realm or not technical, like a friend or a parent? Sure. So um, in prep for, for that, I... Um... What, what I usually do in um, a lot of talks that I give on AI is um, I'll pull up Wikipedia and uh, give kind of what, what's the uh, definition. Um, AI, uh, artificial intelligence, is, is kind of a nebulous term, I would say. Uh, what we deal with in our world of, of uh, AI predominantly, not, not that this is the only element of AI, but what we call machine learning, um, that, that might not be a term that uh, people that are not technical or are familiar with some, some might be, but um, that, that's really where, where we sit for the most part in, in our segment of AI. And just, just as a joke, I, I usually, what I'll do is uh, pull up the, <clears throat> the Wikipedia um, definition, which I've got pulled up right here. And it's very computer science-y uh, make, makes, uh, makes a lot of variables in the, in the sentences. It says uh, a computer program is said to learn from experience E with respect to some class of tasks T and performance measure P. If it's performance, a task T as measured by P improves with experience E. Very, Holy crap. very, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it uh, reminds okay. me of back in, uh, yeah, back when I was in, uh, in computer science, uh, undergraduate, uh, having to read through some of those, those uh, textbooks I mean, it was uh, it, it's not go, it's not helping the explaining <laughs> of what's ai yeah so. but but the funny thing is if you if you think about this phrase what's really being said here you could replace a computer program with any anything like a human we learn from experience with respect to some class of tasks and then we improve on that by by uh measuring our performance and then improving our performance it, it, any any learning can apply to that, right? So it's really using a computer to uh, improve its own uh, learning uh, using algorithms, and then basically what you do from there is you use you use computers to learn from and make predictions on your data. And if uh, if you're going to summarize it in any way, that, that's kind of what I would say. It's it's learning from your data and then making predictions uh, based on that data. So that feedback is really the new thing here. So we have the ability to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, being in the data and analytics space for quite some time, it's been fun to see the evolution of that, uh, where, you know, we really started out with um, very rudimentary uh, reporting. You know, you had to have a team of experts that built these big canned reports for you and SSRS uh, crystal reports, I think, was the one that was around when I first started yeah. uh, my career. I remember I'm those. dating myself now, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, they would have us developers write these reports for them. That then you could have these reports to to do whatever analytics, of key scorecards, or whatever it is that you're trying to do with your data. And then we got into self service tools like uh, one called ProClarity, one called Pro 
performance point, all these things that are built on data warehouse cubes to enable a business user to be able to splice and dice their data um, in a way that uh, allows them to then infer decisions from their data in, in a more agile way than we had. Uh, and that, that, that was what BI was, you know, at, at that point. So, super investing in building a, a data warehouse that's a substantial investment of, of, you know, putting these transactional systems into star schemas and building them out in a way that people can build uh, build things and be able to report on them in a more uh, effective way than you can do with regular SQL queries and stuff like that. Um, that allowed us to then get better at making decisions on our data, but we were still not in a place where we could have the inference of, you know, what what's the recommended next best action or, you know, making those recommendations or predictions on things. We, we still don't have that level of maturity at that point. And then what, what happened from there is we were able to do things with uh, big data and all of these other areas and computation starts to get more improved. All of these things start to get more improved and we're start to, we're able to start doing what, um, we weren't able to do, which is start to converge the AI space with the analytics space. And now we are able to start making predictions on our data and recommendations based on our data in ways that we couldn't before. And the funny thing is most of these things aren't anything that haven't been around. Like most of the algorithms for um, AI have been around since the 80s. Um, Nothing, we've Done, done some work with neural networks and things that have evolved and we're, we're making evolutions with that stuff. But for the most part, the, the biggest advancements that we've seen are, are the computational power that we have to work with where it, before it used to take, um, you know, hundreds of supercomputers to do whatever it was because our CPUs and GPUs and TPUs and whatever PUs, I don't know what the newest ones are called. We've got all these different ones are available now um, that, uh, are able to, to do things that are specifically geared towards uh, crunching uh, crunching data uh, in support of, of building out models and things in AI that we use to make those predictions. A lot of optimization on that side has allowed us, in addition to that, um, with the cloud, being able to distribute things out in a way that um, <clears throat> allows it to get a lot more commoditized. Uh, we now are able to do things that we weren't able to do, not because the the algorithms have evolved any, um, they're, they're still not, not much different in that way, but because of the power that we have behind them now, we're able to do a lot more things, uh, to make it, um, more what I call commoditized, uh, thing that, uh, we were able to use now. And so with more data and more power, it's easier to train the models. So we have something to work with then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So do you find AI to be a useful tool or is it like the old big data that sort of was hip and then well it's not really useful because no one knows what do you mean with um so with AI I think it's important to know that we're we're still early especially I know I know we want to talk about the, the power platform elements of it um we're still a little early uh as far as AI at scale um I would say um I like to encourage, um, there, there's certain industries where we've made a lot of uh, advancements, a lot of advancements, you know, oil and gas, uh, energy sector, um, there, there's significant cost savings and recouping can happen as a result. So usually that's where, you know, money money can drive a big innovation um, on that front. You, you see it a lot with uh, marketing because, I mean, 
I don't know if you've seen the level of personalization that, that's coming through on, on your social media with the ads and things like that, that's getting uh, more and more um, borderline creepy as to how relevant the ads are to you now. I mean, that that's all definitely a, a real application of AI. A lot of people use AI uh, in ways that it's not actually AI. Um, so, you know, if, if I've got a dashboard that's showing me how many cases I had as a customer service organization, uh, how many you know people called in with an issue. That's not AI. So that you know, when when dealing with some of these uh, <clears throat> products, basically that that get produced, that they they say that they're you know AI insights and all this stuff, but it's really just data. So there's there's other uh, other areas. There's there's one conference I think uh, I was at where we had a a little. Uh, um, competition around is this AI or not AI and what, what defines AI, a nebulous term. Is yeah, a... but you have to have it in your toothbrush, right? Otherwise, yeah. it's no good. Of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to learn from how long you're brushing that, that one molar in the back. Yeah. Important, important yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So what is AI in the context of Power Platform then? Yeah, okay. So Power Platform... Um, if anybody listening is not familiar with the Power Platform, this is a evolution of many tools that have kind of converged into a cohesive solution that we have available that, that Microsoft built. Um, it's an evolution of what uh, we refer to as used to be called dynamic CRM, um, referred to as customer engagement. Now we have apps that are built on it. Uh, what happened was there's this great platform of a low-code framework that exists in that solution that was identified and repurposed to what we now call the common data service. Um, <clears throat> that That's uh, one element of the Power Platform. Um, Power Platform also includes things like Power BI, also includes things like Power Automate, uh, a lot of power terms. We've changed the names of a lot of these tools uh, quite a bit uh, to help help with uh, getting that power uh, power terminology. And the latest power virtual agents then. <laughs> power virtual agent. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we could not use, uh, we, we had to call it AI Builder because I think uh, Power AI is uh, trademarked by somebody else. I don't know who or copyrighted or whatever the legal term is and that's why we can, couldn't call it Power AI. <laughs> um, so Power Platform, we've um, then we have AI Builder, which uh, is uh, basically a low-code um, solution because a lot of the Power Platform's value proposition that, that we have is that it is a low-code framework that allows you to do a lot of really cool stuff without having to invest in a bunch of development. Like I was just saying with you know having a whole team of developers to write um, SSRS reports for you, we, we are able to not have somebody that has to have a you know master's in computer science or master's in data science to, to do some of these things. And basically, um, AI Builder is the far end of funnel. This is at the kind of the top of the funnel where we're uh, doing the least amount of work to achieve AI, basically. You don't have to know anything about AI to use it. You can basically say, I want to uh, do a business card scanner. I would like to build a business card scanner app. Well, in order to do that, you're leveraging AI because you need to do optical character recognition and you need to be able to determine what uh, fields are most likely to be your first name and your last name and which field is most likely to be your email address. And there's AI behind the scenes that, that can help. But as a consumer, all I need is a business card scanner. So I can go get the business card scanner widget, put it in a power app, 
and now I'm leveraging power power apps and the power platform to do AI. Um, and uh, I didn't have to do anything basic. Um, other so than, it's you know, AI as software as a service, whilst the, the other are AI platform as a service more than. Yeah, and it's, there's there's nuances there. Again, that's kind of the top of the funnel, if I were going to say. that That's kind of the very high-level software as a service where you actually have a specific use case with a business card scanner. And, and you're seeing this with form builders and uh, I don't remember what some of the other ones that have come out. There's, there's object detectors. Yeah. Some of them mm-hmm. require some level of configuration. Um, if, if you heard of the, the, the show Silicon Valley, I don't know if you've uh, seen that show or not, Marcus. Uh, no, I haven't, but I've heard about it. Yeah, it's a fun show. It's a bunch of tech nerds. Um, it's it's especially funny how accurate they get with uh, being a, a tech nerd. I have not personally lived in Silicon Valley or gone through that whole kind of culture. Um, been in more of the boring business application space, which is less glamorous of the startup culture um, than you know writing a new app to go solve whatever. And um, so, but um, they they had a, a funny. Thing where uh, one of their characters uh, built an AI app called Seafood and uh, take a picture of a piece of food and it was supposed to be like a Pandora for food, right? Where you could just take a picture of it and know what food was. Um, the funny part of it is that it was only able to determine if something was a hot dog or not a hot dog. So <laughs> didn't really do a lot, but uh they they even joked in, in the episode that oh that's that's an interesting classification algorithm where we can actually um, e- extrapolate that out to do multi class classifications and then you know you could do it where it could be any any um any food that you could just take a picture of and then you get your seafood app and I don't know what kind of business venture that is but it was pretty pretty funny <clears throat> but I bring that up because you can very easily do that with uh with uh with some manpower in this object detector functionality that we have in the AI builder product where you would just take a bunch of pictures of food as long as you have um I think it's 20 I don't remember the number of minimum basically you have to have a, a bunch of pictures of a specific class of image so I if I wanted to take a picture of banana I need 20 pictures of a banana that I need to use to train my model to detect bananas, I'd need 20 pictures of an apple to detect apples. And I'd have to go through the tedious you know, importing of those and tagging them as apples or tagging them as uh, bananas. But then I have my own custom model, still didn't have to learn data science, still don't really know what classification is uh, as far as a classification algorithm is. But I know that I'm training this to tell me what a banana is. And I know I'm training this to tell me what a uh, um an apple is, and then I can use that as my custom seafood app that I just wrote, and I didn't didn't write a line of code. Um, so that's kind of the second tier down on the funnel where you're you're customizing a custom scenario for you without having a Python or um, R or anything. And you can use this on your own product. So if you have some custom products that you want to detect, if this is my product or someone else, then you can train this AI builder to to detect your products, and you can get like. Mm-hmm. A yeah, little detection. Yeah. Oh, this is this one. Oh, here are the specifications. Here are the manuals, whatever. So you can find things about your products easier because you train your models and you use them with your technicians and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of amazing use cases there, yeah. So what are the scenarios that you've used for this AI builder then? Um, the, the object detection, form form recognition stuff is really, really amazing um, because uh, uh, if you can imagine how many paper processes are still around, um, <clears throat> this allows us to way more easily use, you know, a paper form that that still exist out there in the wild, right? We, we can now convert those to, to digital captures uh, fairly easy. Those things. So that's one good scenario. Again, what you were just talking about and manufacturing those, those object detection things can become pretty valuable um, because you use it to do even more advanced things um, where maybe I need to take a picture of a, a circuit board to determine whether or not it is uh, in a failed state or not. And I can train all of my objects to say, hey, this circuit board is 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 functional. This circuit board is not functional. Uh, and you know, that, that's a, a more complex scenario that w- one of the things that we haven't talked about is there, there's this whole no cliffs methodology that you, you might have heard of. Uh, James Phillips uh, over at Microsoft uh, refers to a lot where you might hit a place where these out-of-the-box configurations aren't as accurate, right? Um, and what I always tell people as far as the accuracy goes is just just dip your toe a little bit into this AI stuff and, and see how you like it. Um, don't don't start with making it you know, drive significant business decisions. Just get comfortable with recommendations and predictions. See how accurate it is. And it, it's not a significant investment of time. Um, a lot of these tools are, are fairly affordable. Um, and uh you can just try it out and see see what it looks like and, and if it's if it's something that you think is going to add tremendous value and it's not quite to the level of accuracy that you want well we we don't have to stop there we have other utilities that can get more custom um, and get farther down that funnel uh, to building out more accuracy um, but just just seeing where, where Microsoft's been going um, that that custom modeling is evolving pretty rapidly right now um, where they've got a lot of utilities to help expedite that training process and refine it uh, in an automated way using things like uh, what what the ML group calls automated machine learning. This is an innovative process that Microsoft put, put into place to basically automate a lot of the stuff that a data data scientist would do with tri- trial and error. They've been able to do a ton of stuff to automate some of the, the work. Yeah. I thought that most of the machine learning time was always that you clean the data. Yeah. So you yeah. don't train it on useless data. Yeah, that, that's that's a big piece of it. Data engineering, feature engineering, that's a big, big piece of it. I will say that's probably the one area that we can still use some help with, um, with our tooling. We, we don't have a lot of stuff available yet for that. Um, and the, the education and, and the assertion that we're making sure that the data is adequately formed there there's a lot of stuff that can go into into that up upstream before you even start running any predictions on it so that's a really good point marcus all right so what's the common scenarios with ai in regards to business applications based yeah so we talked about um let's talk about customer engagement um you can imagine i'm a sales professional i want to have a relationship with my customers or my clients, the scenario I'm in. Um, if I'm uh, wanting to have uh, intelligence around uh, what what does this customer profile look like? What's the likelihood that they're going to 
buy something based on prior opportunity. That's AI, right? So sales probability, that, that's one that we very commonly use in Microsoft Action features now that they've built into the sales dynamics of sales app that help with that. Um, another one that, that commonly happens, and this is a product recommendations that you used to buy, are you based on, you know, what you've bought before, this might be a good cross-sell, upsell opportunity in those things. We've got, got, got a lot of stuff on that. Um, within uh, customer service, uh, if you can imagine you're dealing with a number of cases, you want to be able to determine a lot of things that AI can really help with. Maybe it's, I want to know what what is the recurring types of cases, and I could use something like topic detection, case topic detection to determine Oh, I'm I'm hearing a lot of cases around this specific scenario. I should probably write a knowledge base article around that so that um, I can ensure that there's a quick um, way to deflect that from continuing to consume my my customer service. A lot, lot of really amazing stuff. Haven't, haven't really scratched the surface. So, do you know if it's able to use this AI to route uh, cases as well? Um, as far as uh. Case routing, um, I'm trying to think, unless I've missed Because that if you feature. can detect what it is about, then you can sort of have like, oh, okay, yeah. we, have a, yeah. we have a bucket of these cases over here, then we have a bucket of these cases, yeah. or a queue, of course, a queue. Yeah, so <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't really seen it in that scenario. Uh, that, that's a really interesting one. Um, usually in case routing, you know what the kind of cases you're putting the onus on that person to tell you what kind of cases. But it's really interesting because if you if you think about it, how many times have you had to sit through a phone call where you're like, if your case is this, press one. If it's this, press two. And you're just like, oh my gosh, get me to somebody that I can talk to. Um, so that that's an interesting scenario. I, I hadn't really or infinite drop downs. Okay, you want right, to say, say right. a category, yep. then a subcategory. No, it wasn't there. Up again, and then yeah, down some other branch, and you're not really sure you found the right one either way. So yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah I haven't personally done anything on the upfront of it. It's usually afterwards you're just analyzing your data at rest and, and doing yeah. things. But yeah, that's a that's a cool. All right. Cool one to use it. So that's for the audience then. Go build it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Might already be there. Who knows? They put out new features every five minutes and um I, I try to keep up as much as I can, but there could could already be something out there. Who knows? Yeah, uh, it, it's really hard. I mean, first it's the release wave, so it's a twenty twenty release wave one. And then it's Microsoft Business Application Summits and then it's build and then it's uh, come on, how many features can you release? And it's a lot. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's really cool how um, how they have kind of shifted to that agile organization and SaaS organization that they really wanted to. Before we used to have to wait six months to see something new, and now they're able to light up new stuff all the time. It's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So, do you feel that these conferences and your MVP and the MVP summits was virtual as well? Do you mm -hmm. feel that you sort of get a bit more disconnected with all these virtual conferences, or do you feel that you don't have to travel as much, so you can actually spend more time attending stuff? Um, I think there's pros and cons. I mean, not, nothing's going to replace a community building, especially with being able to see your friends from all over the world. It's it's a bummer that. Uh, my my MVP pals, we cannot. I mean, it, 
the MVP summit is probably, it's my personal favorite uh, conference for, for many reasons. One is again, you, you get, you get really cool um, interactions with the product team, but, but probably most importantly, and don't tell Microsoft this, it's, it's the friends that you get to reconnect with, right? It's such an amazing family to develop, especially in the business applications group. I know there, there are other really solid groups, but, um, We've just got this amazing community people, and it is kind of a bummer to miss out on, on getting to, able to reconnect with them in person. But we've developed, uh, we've got happy hours that we do on Teams and do uh, all these different things to reconnect. The, the coolest part about all of this is that I think it's opened up the eyes to being able to man- maintain personal relationships in ways that we didn't do before. And it's not that we couldn't do that before, it's just we never really thought about it. And now it's like, well, if I have to have virtual calls with everybody, including those that are in my city, um, why not open this up to reconnecting with somebody that lives in Sweden or, you know, wherever that reconnect with. As far as the content goes of the, 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 um, the conferences, um, there's, you know, pros and cons. Um, I've seen some executed better than others, but it's really amazing how quickly everybody was able to adapt to this new format. And uh, the the ways I've seen it most successfully done is uh, when you're not just doing a webinar version that I could go download on uh, YouTube or something like that. Um, If it's uh, something that has some level of interactivity and uh, using like an MC that can ask questions, kind of like what we're doing on the podcast, right? As as long as it's not something just somebody droning on and and not having the ability to give any feedback or anything like that, then that's been what I've seen the best. So if we're trying to go back to AI then, so what is (laughs) Power Platform doing lately in terms of AI? Um, power platform in AI. So yeah, I think you mentioned the, the virtual agents. That's its own product. Um, if, if I were going to call anything AI under its hood, uh, that, that would be one. You're doing things like uh, topic detection of somebody's chat, uh, being able to do um, named entity searches, having a bot that is uh, you know, reacting to you. That It's all technically starting to get under the AI umbrella. Um doing, you know, voice recognition, voice interactions, that's technically under the AI umbrella. Um, uh, then getting back over to that, the AI builder, some really cool stuff um, that we've seen with being able to integrate uh, our AI models that we build with AI builder into our, our power apps, uh, into our power automate flows. Um, they, they're making it a lot more seamless to collaborate in, in each of these tools across each other, being able to leverage the whole platform. Um, and then taking it down farther, that funnel that I was talking about, if I'm wanting to get even more custom, but I don't want to learn how to be a data scientist, we've got tools like Cognitive Services, which are um, APIs that Microsoft has built over common cross-cutting scenarios, very similar to what we just talked about with the AI builder. So you things like text recognition, things like object sentiment analysis, all of these specific things that basically come cross-cutting over, over a wide number of scenarios. And Microsoft provides an API that you can pay for and consume. Really, I, I think it's actually a little more cost-effective, to be honest. Yes, you have to make an API call, um, so you got to know a little bit about code just to do that. But there are actually connectors in Power Apps to connect directly to services in, in a pretty easy way. Um, and then you can get cognitive services in your uh, Power App. And um, 
not kind of circumvent the AI builder. You get, you have to know a little bit more about what you're doing to, to get down to that level of the funnel, but it's still not very difficult. Um, and you're able to, again, when I say kind of dip your toe into AI, start to customize. So that means that you, you, you mentioned that there's sort of a pipe. So AI on the one hand, so you go to that end and you have more value. But if you go to the other end, you have more options, right? So that's that trade. So more options, perhaps a little bit less value because you have to invest more time to get the value. But on yeah. the other hand, you trade value for less options then so you yeah. have that over there so what do you think about microsoft as a whole for the ai do they invest a lot of money and time on that area in your point of view um i don't know if you've seen the commercials for microsoft ai that um are uh on the super bowl and, and all of all of the highest things so i'd say that's a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of an investment um calling microsoft ai bit, right? again, again like what what does that even mean like uh, i mean it, it's a marketing term at some level but um i will say yes yes they are investing substantially um it's microsoft so there's you know lots of different departments doing similar things all in their own little ways and solving the same problem in different different target audiences um the, the coolest part about where we are though is what what you were just talking about with um the fact that it it used to be a substantial investment to try something out to see how successful it might be because the the risk that you run with an AI project, because you're dealing with predicting the unknown, you're never going to necessarily know 100% sure. If you get to the point of, of a model having 100% accuracy, there's something wrong with your model. Um, so uh, it's a term we call overfitting in the data science world. But um, basically... It used to be, you know, so much investment, have, you know, all these data scientists go into this room and build out all these prediction models and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, three months later, you come back and you're like, yep, well, that doesn't look right. And we, we have just... a slight improvement. <laughs> now, yeah, now the time to market is just so substantially different, not only in these power AI, quote me on that one, AI builder scenarios, um, but, uh, uh, Again, even even going down into the Azure side of things, where we have our Azure machine learning ecosystem, I mean the 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 utilities that we have on that end are so much easier to use and leverage than than they used to be. Even if you do want to get down to the bottom of the funnel with uh, writing your own custom uh, data scripts and using all that, we have amazing utilities that have been industry standards. Microsoft uh, did. A lot of work on their own with uh, their cognitive toolkit and all these things that are, you know, their own IP that they've done a really good job with writing. But there are other open source standard things that have lived in this data science community for years and have a great community. And Microsoft's adoption of open source has shown tremendously in this space because basically now I can go and use my um, Jupyter notebooks on my Azure notebooks and I can do all of these things that I could do as a data scientist back, uh, you know, in, in my open source world. Now I have all of the power of, of the Azure cloud to do all of these things that I used to have to do on my own machine. Now I can host them in Azure and have all of these complex compute um, resources do what it was that I used to have to, you know, farm out to my set of machines in my basement or whatever. Um, so there's just the, 
the applications you, you can't even scratch the surface on them. Yeah, and they're improving on all ends. I mean, this AI builder is fairly new, and then if you go to the other side, they're improving the Azure machine learning. So they they launch a new studio for that, so it's easier to sort of make. Okay, it's a flow. You have the data there, then you clean that, then you make the next step. So it's improving all of your options. So that if you want to sort of, okay, we want, we want a little bit more options, then that's easier than that was before. So they, yeah. I think they're improving a lot. It's pretty amazing. How do you see custom AI and the Power Platform AI space work together? We've been a little bit there, but do you have like some examples or some things that you sort of, okay everyone has to have this or everyone needs to at least try something. Yeah. So, um, getting, yeah, getting, getting more into the custom AI space. Uh, again, once, once you get to a point where you're, you're in a specific domain and you, you know, your domain and having a universal model that Microsoft built might not fit your domain. I always use the example. Well, if I'm doing topic detection and I run a bicycle shop and your topic detection algorithm is telling me that all of my cases are about bicycles. Well, duh, I don't care about that. (laughs) Thanks. Of course they are. Um, I don't, and and then you're skewing your model because you have all of these positive instances of something that you don't care about. Um, So if you're going, you know, input output type of thing and you're not custom tailoring it to your, your scenario, then, then you're, you're going to run into to an issue, right? Um, and then t- to your point, all of the different uh, utilities that, that Microsoft has uh, with Databricks, with uh, the Machine Learning Studio or whatever it's called now. I, I'm a little, uh, little behind that one. I, I need to need probably re- refresh. Azure that, Machine that, Learning uh, Studio, that's the... Is that what it's called now? Is that what it's called now? I think so. Yeah. I'm going to pull up the... Uh, I always just go to um, the Azure portal and see what they call everything, and uh, that that gives. I'm not sure if they actually call it the studio, but uh, I think so. Yeah, so we've got Machine Learning Studio Classic, um, and that that was the old one um, that I think is getting uh, getting retired. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that one. Um, I I think classic means then deprecated. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have we have the draggy droppy workflow based tool um, that was in Machine Learning Studio Classic. I think they've made some some enhancements to that that you're talking about. I'm I'm actually uh, I haven't uh, again. If you you walk away from something for a few months and you come back and it's, uh, it's completely different. Uh, I've been doing more more on the power platform space uh, lately and haven't uh, haven't had the need to to get into the custom machine learning uh, stuff too much lately because it's been uh, um, the, the power platform stuff has gotten so, so advanced. We haven't had to, but, um, yeah, using, uh, things like the, the bot framework, uh, we have, um, building out your custom machine learning, uh, algorithms, again, using more of the traditional Python modeling techniques, uh, R modeling techniques. Uh, you can then th- think about it, um, kind of coming full circle where, if, if I'm in one of these scenarios, uh, for example, uh, predictive maintenance, um, did some courseware on this, uh, where, uh, how do you leverage IOT device data to track what's the likelihood that something's going to fail, 
right? Wind turbines, it costs a lot of money to replace a wind turbine. So um, what is the likelihood that this thing's going to fail? And how do I, how do I notify myself that this is exceeding a certain probability threshold so that I send somebody out to go service that machine before it fails? Cause that's going to save me a lot more money. Um, field service, uh, getting into the business application side of things, this, this becomes tremendously valuable there because now I can go and say this roof is likely to become leaky because of all of these situations that came up. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go proactively service this roof um, before, beforehand so that I don't have to get a big insurance case as an insurance provider um, to, to improve uh, my whatever. So that's an extreme you know, positive. And if you think about the customer experience that comes from that, I mean, the, the sentiment of a customer knowing that they're, they're not likely going to have to encounter problems because you're getting ahead of those problems, um, pe people pay for that, right? Um, and uh, so there's a whole industry there that uh, has yet to be tapped, I would say, uh, as far as that goes. So that means that everything becomes a service then? Yeah, and isn't that the holy grail? Everybody wants everything to become a service. Yeah. I, I used to take this Royce Royce uh, example where they have, I, I think they call it total care, where they no longer s sell you the the uh, the, the airplane uh, engines, but it's theirs, and they sell you sort of like airplane hours instead. So if you ma not manage to, to fly it using their, they don't get paid, so they're investing a lot of money and energy to make sure that those engines last as long as they possibly can and they're up to the standard every time because otherwise they don't get paid yeah it's a good incentive right to start investing in ai so if we just push everybody to uh services models then we can get more ai work out of it it's a good way to do that there we go so are your customers thinking in that way as well? So they're thinking about, okay, can we turn our products into services as well? Um, I have to think about that. I can't say that, that in my industry, professional services, um, I am absolutely looking at opportunity to do that um, within uh, consulting uh, if if uh, you've worked in consulting or worked with a consultant or whatever, there there's the transactional model of I've got my project and I want to I want to build my project and I'm going to work end to end. Uh, here's my statement of work. Here's the work I'm going to do for you, and then I hand it over to you and we're done, right? And then we shifted a little more to this agile approach where it's okay, we're going to do things agile and yeah, we'll give you a, a rough order of magnitude for how much we'll run or whatever, and then we're going to we're going to operate in like an agile, agile hybrid or whatever methodology um, that very easily can then get transcended over into, well, what if we just start to provide you with subscription model where we are offering you something more than just what we refer to as managed services slash support, where we are, uh, we are um, giving you, uh, you, you guys tell me you got a bug, right? If you're telling me you got a bug, and you want this fixed, or you've got some run-of-the-mill enhancement that you want us to do, or whatever, um, how much value are, are we getting from that, right? And and thinking about it, and well, what if my subscription is to add value? And, and to your point, like making all of these efforts to 
make sure that we are running things as optimally as possible so that uh, we are extending the life of this system that you are subscribing to as, as long as we can. Um, that that has a lot of you, right? Because the aging of a of a of a system, right, that you built and you hand it over the fence, and then you're putting the onus on um, the business to then maintain and evolve and all of that. And maybe maybe they got a support agreement with you, but you know we're not taking those proactive, um, innovative me- mechanisms as as a technology services provider that you might do to really add that value. That that's where we've started to focus is shifting the subscription approach. For- do you feel that the customers are happier with that approach or do you feel that they're indifferent or? Um, yeah, because again, it, it's the same thing we were just talking about with the AI predictive maintenance model, right? If I'm proactively solving problems for you and you have a basic same as what we deal with with Microsoft where things just kind of light up and improve and we're in a, in an, uh, in a new era of what a business application can do. And I'm adding value to you continuously versus me having to fix bugs that shouldn't, you know, at the point of the bug, it's the leaky roof, right? Where I I could have prevented that leak if we would have improved this root cause of that. And we can build analytics, um, improve our understanding of of these ongoing systems in a way, probably using AI down the road, we'll see, um, to improve uh, all, all of that stuff. I would say overall, yeah, kind of the goal is to maintain a, a positive. Yeah. What's your favorite AI feature on the Power Platform or business application? Um, my latest fun feature uh, is the mixed reality. Um, that stuff's so cool. Um, I, I personally haven't gotten the chance. I can get Microsoft to buy me hololens i just bought one of the oculus quests recently and was just floored i actually ended up sitting in on a microsoft uh augmented reality little they do like these virtual i don't know if you've said but they do these virtual little workshops in these vr environments that you can go in and just sit and talk to a microsoft product guy and he tells you about how to how to use ar and develop uh, against unity and all these different things it's hilarious um yeah so cool it's this whole world that i just kind of stumbled into because i wanted to be able to play beat saber on a vr (laughs) can you program Uh, your program in actual rift um i I yeah yeah i think i think so So you Um, can probably change it so you have like the visual studio there as well so it's like this meta experience you're changing it they have a they have a virtual desktop they have a virtual desktop um that i think you can interact with um, I ha- I just literally got it this weekend, so I haven't uh, I haven't scratched the surface too much. So you'll have to have me have me on uh, later down the road when I've gotten a little more experience with this. Oh, I would love reality. to just <laughs> just say the yeah. thing, and I will just invite you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, more on the mixed reality stuff that that starts to get into the business application space um, with again that customer service realm. Where I don't know if you've seen any of the the fancy. Uh, marketing around it where you know you're able to use augmented reality to now do customer services experiences that you couldn't do before um so maybe i'm able to virtually troubleshoot something um with a virtual device um and different things like that it's it's really cool stuff and i think they've managed to to switch to to lighter devices also that's really important because there are not enough of these um um oh what's it called you were about to buy one uh, uh the, vir- 
yeah, the HoloLens. They, they don't seem to be able to produce them fast enough. So they're not enough of them. So yeah, it's they're, really they're good. They're still pretty, pretty intense on those things too. If you want to do it at scale um, and, and get into a more kind of consumer-based market with it. Um, yeah, they're pretty expensive them. right now. So it's like an enterprise product. But if yeah. you have like, okay, I can overlay something on my camera so I can record something and and you get sort of an overlay on that. So you have a remote session, stuff like that then there's this sort of okay now we can rapidly get it to all of let's say 100 technicians without yeah. waiting forever yeah it's pretty cool stuff i'm i'm excited to continue to play play around in that space because uh it's a fun one for sure all right then do you feel that we missed anything here today oh I don't know. I think I think this was a good conversation. Um, I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, so very grateful to have have me on. To have had me on. Okay, so if I want to know more, where do I go? If you want to know more about AI, um, you... yeah, AI and perhaps on Power Platform and the business applications, so the insights, the AI builder, something. Like yeah, that. so you can find. Um, I, I, again, if I want to just get an inventory uh, that you, you can go to Microsoft Learn, um, they've got a lot of good content on Microsoft's power platform on, on AI. There's also EDX, uh, done some courses out there with AI, a lot of really cool stuff there. Um, uh, if you want to get more in depth of, you know, what is AI from a concept and things like that, as far as um, Microsoft, uh, uh, the products come out so fast. Uh, usually what I end up doing, if I, if I want to know what's, what's in preview, there's, you know, certain ways to do that. If I want to know just what's out there, I just go, I'll go to portal.azure.com and click AI and just see what's up there. And it changes all the time. Right. And, and going to a document might be outdated, right. Cause things change all the time. And it's, it's a full-time job for many people just to maintain the, the documentation um, because things are changing so fast. Um, but, uh, yeah, start, start with there. There's free training for Microsoft again on Microsoft learn, um, around, uh, Azure and machine learning, uh, a lot of, a lot of AI school stuff out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, just go to, go to dynamics.com to see what dynamics AI is out there. So I'll just type that right now on my computer dynamics.microsoft.com. That's going to be a long uh, list these days. Yeah, we've got sales insight, customer insight, customer service insight, virtual agent, fraud protection, product insight, connected store, and finance insights. So we've got so many, and then mixed realities in its own little thing, which technically has some AI to it too. But uh, yeah, a lot, lot of different things out there. Hard to keep up. Yeah. So do you have any public speaking, perhaps virtually scheduled, where we can find you next? Okay. Um, I do a lot of the CRM or whatever they call it now, Dynamics Community um, events. Uh, we've got one coming up for St. Louis where I am located on um, this next month. Um, public events, um, I don't right now, but I will definitely let you know. I've been very busy, heads down running a company, um, and uh, that is a goal of mine is to get, get some of those on the on the books um but yeah nothing scheduled right now but stay tuned for that 
So this episode is scheduled to be published the 14th of June. So okay. um, we we are we are recording this in late May. So okay. there. If anything changes, then I'll I'll let you know. For the there show. is some delay for the audience here, so we're okay. doing some time shifting here. <laughs> Who would like to recommend as a future guest on this podcast? Um, well, if you are hoping to get uh, a little more meat around the AI space. Um, probably one of the most talented people that I know in that is, is a woman. She's out of she's either either out of New Zealand. I think she's in Auckland. Um, her name's Layla Ayati. She's also a fellow uh, Persian Persian. Uh, we got the Persian connection there. Um, she's tremendously uh, talented in, in custom AI space and has also uh, honed in on, on this business application space and the, and the intersections that come with that. The power platform. And she, she's uh, she's definitely a front runner in, in this domain so I would, I would definitely recommend her yeah send me the links or the invitations so uh, i can invite her to an episode that would be great so do you have any links to your self-promotion um yeah so parita group uh p-a-r-i-t-t-a group.com is uh is our uh, services organization um if you need any help with the uh, AI business apps, customer employee experience. Happy to happy to help solve solve the problems. Um, and uh, I I'm not uh, not as active on the social media in a, in a business capacity as I would like to be. This is a thing that I get a bunch of grief for because I should have a digital presence. Um, as so you don't want to share your Twitter or um, LinkedIn I've handle got or something? So LinkedIn's probably the best place. Um, so LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, Sheila Shapari. Um, just look me up there. Um, or, uh, yeah, my Twitter still has all my old music stuff. I haven't even updated it <laughs> since since then. Everybody always jokes with me about how it's like this, you know, 15-year-old account now that I haven't even looked at I never I get like on that. that. People just make fun of me, but you, you can find me on Twitter. I just I probably want to want to answer you. If, uh, see that you'll you'll see me tagged in things occasionally through uh, the MVP people, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a, not a big social media person. Thank you for your participation in CM Rocks, Shahila Shapare. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can comment and subscribe to your Surface Serum Rocks. And you can find it in your web browser. Comment there and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. And you will find it right there. See you next time on Serum Rocks.